not all movements are the same. Not all machines are the same. Not all bodies are the same. But there are some little cool rules that we can use to standardize all of these things to make it far easier to gain savage progress in the gym and with your physique. Meet your host, Andy Naylor. Andy is a men's physique transformation expert, competitive physical champion, and a multi-six-figure business owner who has helped thousands of busy, high-achieving men get into the best shape of their lives and reconnect with their inner alpha. On this show, Andy is going to share with you his playbook on feeling healthy again, avoiding the common pitfalls successful men fall into, dropping 20 to 30 pounds of fat, and building a physique you can finally be proud of. And the transformations aren't just physical either. You're going to learn how meeting your personal goals will help support your professional achievements, giving you that true alpha mentality. Let's go. So, Alphas, welcome to a brand new year. Uh, happy new year to you. I hope that you're well. I hope your family good. Uh, welcome to 2023. Um, and if you listen to the last podcast, uh, I hope you've uh, certainly gone and had a look at the uh, the Fat Loss Challenge um, uh, solution that we're putting in front of people. If you've no idea what this 14-day Fat Loss Challenge is, please go and listen to the episode from, I think it was the 28th of, 28th of uh, or December. Um, go and have a little look at that. If you missed that episode because you were busy with family, I, I suggest highly if you're looking to get a little bit of a kickstart and a, and a good run into this year in terms of your health and wellness, definitely go and have a little listen to that episode. There is hopefully a compelling solution in there for you that's entirely free that you might want to go and have a look at. But today, what are we delving into? So exercise uh, execution 2.0. I have done a podcast on exercise execution as part of the initial training series, but I just felt like geeking out a little bit further, if I'm absolutely honest. This is going to be a long, probably will end up being a longer than usual um, episode, and we're just going to have a little bit of a wander through just some thoughts and ideas that come to my mind when I start to think about exercise execution without trying to, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and try and overwhelm anyone. I don't want to try and be too technical and too jargoned with what I'm trying to talk about. I want to try and open your eyes to some thoughts um, and maybe just plant some seeds in your mind for things that you would like to go and find out more about. This is a podcast. Um, you, you can also go and watch this on my YouTube channel, uh, which there'll be a link in the show notes for, because I might use arms and limbs to try and describe some of what I'm going to talk about. Um, on a podcast, I'll try and be as visual as I possibly can with the wording that I use so I can plant sort of a visual aspect of what I'm trying to describe in your mind. But if you struggle and if I do a shit job, basically, then of course, go to the, the YouTube channel. It might just help a little bit. So exercise execution. We're just going to dive into a few things here. Um, so to start with, I want to talk about active range of muscles. Okay, so we're going to talk about active range of muscle. <laughs> easy for me to say, active range, <laughs> active range of muscles, and their three working areas. Okay, so we're going to delve into that. We're going to go into something pretty geeky that's about strength curves and resistance profiles, um, which could be quite opening for you. And then also just some actionable things that you can take from this information and apply in the gym the next time you go and train, and just play with it. Technically, some of these things you will get right or wrong. But like, expect to go and get stuff wrong because then you'll learn from it. 
it's an if you then take some of these thoughts into the gym, it's an exploration into your continued learning in terms of the progression of your skill in the gym, right? So active range of muscles and their three working areas. Oh, I said it better that time. Let's, I want to um, differentiate between joints and muscles active range, okay? There is, we could say that there is an active range of a joint and there's an active range of a muscle, okay? And they are not necessarily the same. Well, they're not the same, I would say. Let's just say, for example, this is going to be an arbitrary number, but let's say a joint has an active range of 100. In other words, it might, might, if I flex my arm from the moment it's fully extended to the moment it's fully flexed and my bicep touches my um, forearm, yeah, if you can imagine that, like I'm doing a curl, basically, let's just call that 100 because it's as far as my elbow goes, okay? So that's not necessarily a good, depending on how we place our body and what movement we're doing, that's not necessarily the right working range of the bicep, okay? So if we're gonna, if we're gonna look at the working range of a bicep, maybe it's actually only 70 out of that 100, okay? Think about that. So just because the joint goes a full distance, do we want to take a movement through that full distance? Now, everyone says, oh, you should use a full range of motion. That's such a wide statement. Full range of motion of what? And in what setup? And for wh whose body on what machine? It's a, it's, it's a good statement because it's kind of, yeah, okay, we should use a full range of motion. But define full range of motion because it's bloody well different in every circumstances. Just because a joint goes to 100 doesn't mean that we must always take a muscle to the same 100. It's quite person dependent. It's also movement dependent. Often in a movement, if we take the range too far, the tension on the target muscle drops off. The load transfers into the joint. Often in a movement, if we take the range too far, in other words, we use the joint too far, the tension can quite often come off the muscle and sort of goes into the joint. It transfers the load into the joint. And a lot of people do. This is why a lot of people have joint pain. We should never have joint pain when we're training. If you have joint pain, you're doing something wrong. It's bad news. So we need to protect our um, joint health. And we, well, we bloody well want muscular pro uh, progress, don't we? Picture, let me try and give you an example. Picture a laying hamstring curl. So you're laying on your front and you've got like a you know, hamstring curl over the sort of, you know, your Achilles tendon, bottom of your calf. And you're doing a max set. So this is like the most amount of weight that you can theoretically use. Um, and you keep letting the machine go all the way down to the bottom until you have a straight leg. Now, the weight, the weight doesn't touch down. So all of the tension is still on your leg. But you've allowed your leg to fully straighten. Picture that. You're lying on a hamstring curl. You're, you're, you're lowering the weight and it's gone all the way down until basically your knee is fully extended. The weight hasn't touched down, so all the weight is now resting through your leg. Think about that. Does, just, does that strike you as wise? I can tell you that this is quite unsafe. Um, it will put a huge amount of stress in the knee because the knee is being pushed in the wrong bloody direction. Think about that. The knee is now fully extended and the weight is trying to bend the knee in the wrong direction. Um, and due to the hamstring at this point being fully lengthened, in other words, well, technically quite fully lengthened, the risk that you're putting in your hamstring of a pull or a tear goes way, way, way up. And I can tell you from personal experience, 
having hurt myself on a laying hamstring curl quite badly twice, this is what happens. It won't be as, generally speaking, it won't be as you lower it. It will be as you kick to try and come back up. Normally, when you do that from a fully lengthened muscle, you're at risk, potentially. Everybody's different. Every machine is different. The, the circumstances are different. But technically, if you just pitch yourself on a laying hamstring curl, you've got the max weight and you've fully extended your, your leg out. That If you're going to hurt yourself, that's when it's going to happen. Okay. It would be far healthier, and it is far healthier, if you just kept a bloody bend in your knee and just didn't go all the way down. So rather than going all the way to that 100, because the joint will go to 100, you've gone to 80. So you keep a little bend in the knee, which means your, your hamstring is under load, under tension, and your knee is just sitting there happily underneath, well, in the middle of the movement, so to speak, but the tension is on the hamstring. You're so much safer. And also the tension is on the hamstring, which is kind of the point of everything that we do. This should be a consideration for everything you're doing now. Everything you're doing. You can picture nearly exactly the same thing on something like a preacher curl. Now, preacher curls can be at all different sorts of angles. But if you somewhere your hand is sort of going straight down to the floor, somewhere your arm is more out in front of you. If you picture one where your arm is out in front of you, you could like lower that all the way down and be exactly in the same position where you've got your elbow trying to be forced completely in the wrong direction. And now you've got a bicep that's fully, fully lengthened in a very um, vulnerable position. Okay, so that's the first thing. Just start now considering when you're doing a movement, one, one thing to do is if it is safe to do so, try and train and listen to what, feedback your body is giving you don't look in a fucking mirror people are, oh i need to look in a mirror to see my form well that's a problem because now you're focusing on something external the what you're seeing in the mirror you're distracted you're not actually focused on the fucking thing you're doing you're just watching yourself it would be far better to record yourself forget you're recording yourself do the movement close your eyes if very safe to do so and focus on what you feel what does your body tell you that's happening? Can you feel the tension in the right muscle the whole way through the movement? Do you feel in control of the movement for every inch? Are you getting pain coming through a joint? Like, what do you feel? Not what can you see in the fucking mirror? Mirrors are a distraction. You know, standing, the amount of times I see people standing on a, on a cable machine with their head completely turned to the side, watching themselves in the mirror. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop it. Like, just focus on what the feedback your body is giving you. So every movement you now do, just go and start exploring that for yourself. Full range of motion is good, but now in your mind, think, okay, well, what is full range of motion? Do I need to go all the way until this thing is fully extended? Does it feel a little bit vulnerable? Mm, it kind of does, and I have hurt myself here before. Okay, those are the signs. A shorter range can quite often be a safer range, but again, you could have a very big range on a certain machine and a very short range on another. It just is dependent on the things. But my point being is, it's down to you. You've got to start paying attention to what's going on. Now let's cover the three phases of a muscle's working area. Okay. So there are three. So as you're contracting a, let's imagine you're, you know, you're contracting your biceps, you're doing a bicep curl. There, technically, you could put your body in a position to work three, theoretically, or work more in three different ranges. Those three ranges are mid-range, mid-range, 
this is where your body spends most of its time. Okay, if you kind of just do a movement and you don't like it's the easiest thing you can do, chances are it's going to be mid-range. Let's pick biceps, a standing barbell or dumbbell curl. So your arms are down by your side and you curl it up. That is the mid-range. You are neither fully lengthening your bicep technically and you are neither fully contracting it. And I mean fully lengthened and fully contracting. You're working it through its mid-range, which is where most people spend most of their time. Okay, then you've got fully contracted. This simply means you put your body in a position so that when you've fully done the movement, your muscle is technically as short as you can get it. So the example of a bicep curl is if you're stood doing a curl in front of you, that's mid-range. If you wanted to fully contract, you would put your arm up in the air. So as if you were about to do a, a, a tricep stretch and you would curl, single arm would be best, behind your head. So picture this, I've now got my elbow facing up to the ceiling and my hand is behind my head and I've got hold of probably a cable machine and I'm curling down. So it's the, I'm, I put my arm in exactly the same place that I would do if I was going to do a tricep stretch. So when my tricep is fully lengthened, my bicep is fully um, shortened. That would technically be the place that you could put your body in to get a fully shortened bicep. So if you're never doing anything up there, you're never truly ever fully contracting your bicep. Think about that. Then you've got fully lengthened. So here we would need to put our arm behind our back to some degree. Imagine laying on an incline bench. Okay, so you're sort of laying back on an incline bench and you just let your arms hang down to the floor. Technically, your arms are behind you. If you keep your humerus, i.e. your upper arm, facing down to the floor and just curl up. So for those watching on YouTube, it's going to be, you know, your arm's going to be, one second, something back here. Okay, so your arm is behind you and you're curling something there. Uh, that is when your arm is all the way down. Technically, that's when you're fully lengthened. Again, if you're never doing that movement, this is a bit more of a common movement. If you're never doing it, you're never fully lengthening your bicep. You need to be, so the, the goal is most definitely to hit all of these areas. The goal is to use all of these areas. Quite often, it will take three movements, theoretically, to get them all done effectively. Bicep just being an example. So if we want to work mid-range, a preacher curl will always be mid-range, but standing barbell, bicep, um, uh, barbell or dumbbell curl will be mid-range. To get, to get fully shortened, we need to go up into the air and, and curl behind our head, or certainly with our elbow up high. And then to get fully lengthened, we've got to have our arm behind us. It is not a must that you need to hit all of these areas of any particular body part in the same session. You don't have to think to yourself, oh my good, I'm training, you know, my goodness, I'm training biceps, I've got to get all these three bits done. In no, you don't have to do that. Um, but over a week would probably make sense. So as long as over a week you go, oh, I've definitely fully shortened my bicep this week. I've definitely fully lengthened it and I've worked it in the mid-range. That would be smart. It doesn't have to be in the same session. Most people are hitting the mid-range all of the time due to poor exercise selection. So this is when people say to me, oh, I know what I need to do. I just need to do it. I'm like, are you considering all of this stuff? Most people aren't. Some people are, which is awesome. Some people don't want to consider this stuff, which is ignorance. Do you want the best result possible? Probably the answer is yes then this stuff actually does matter. Most people are training in the mid-range. Mid-range is easy. It's where you're strongest. It's where you're going to feel the best. And it's where, it's where you would naturally do a movement. It's where you would naturally go. The kicker is this, though. If you only train the mid part of the range, only the mid gets stronger. Only the mid will improve. Okay?
Think about that. So if you only ever trained, say, a preacher curl, then fully contracted, so fully shortened and fully lengthened, never truly reach their potential. Okay. But if you trained, let's say, just fully contracted, so just fully shortened, and you train just fully lengthened, the whole thing gets stronger. Because while you're fully shortening, you're still moving into the mid-range. You'll do mid-range and fully lengthened, or you do mid-range and fully... Like, the, the movement would just be that. If you think about, you know, arm up in the air, I'm fully contracted, but I'm also moving into a mid-range area. And again, we're fully lengthened. At some point, I'm fully lengthened, but I'm moving back into mid-range. So you could literally train... You could, you could nearly forget about training mid-range. I'm not suggesting you do. And just go, I'm going to find fully shortened stuff and fully lengthened stuff and just train those. The mid-range will come along for the party. Smart, huh? Exercise selection. This is why it is so key. When we ensure all of our clients have great exercise selection, this is the stuff that we're thinking about. I've just given you examples for biceps. Now try and extract that to every single musculature on your body, everyone that we would want to train. We have our clients making sure that they are working through all three ranges across a certain given time. So therefore, we are maximizing their return on the time investment they're putting into their training. Most of us are time poor. You need to get the most out of the time that you spend in the gym. And these things matter. Then you start to add in you know, things like tempo, setup, stability, initiation, all the other stuff that I think I've spoken about previously on the other exercise um, execution podcast episode. Um, but today, just think about those three ranges. So you've now got in your mind, how far do I need to go in the range of a movement? Do I need to go all the way? Does it make sense? Hmm, actually, I'm going to do a bit of a shorter range and see how that feels. Does the muscle I'm targeting seem to work more? Okay, that's the first thing. And then secondly, hmm, what does my exercise selection truly look like? Am I, am I hitting a fully... So technically, now you need to know a little bit of biomechanics. Just a little bit. You need to know where does your body need to be or your limbs or whatever they need to be to be able to fully shorten a muscle and fully lengthen the muscle. And that's some technicalities, right? Um, it's not, I'm guessing you've probably gone online and looked that up. Maybe that's something that we might want to do a, uh, a further. In fact, maybe that's a, a, a further little, uh, certainly a very visual um, piece of education that we can do because I think that would really open people's eyes to some huge, huge, huge potential. So there's some things to already consider. Let's move on to the next subject, which is going to be strength curves and resistance profiles. Okay, so we're going to go a little bit deeper here. So there are two things to also consider in exercise selection. Strength curves, resistance profiles. A strength curve relates back to the three working ranges of a muscle. Our muscle does not produce force across the range in a linear fashion. In other words, it's not, it's not the same strength right across the range, okay? There's generally, we could say like a bell curve in there somewhere. There is a drop off at either end. You're strongest in your mid-range, and then as you go lengthened or shortened, it, you get weaker. Really, it's a safety mechanism that your body's put in place to stop you tearing yourself apart. It's as simple as that. Imagine if you could just continually contract a muscle forever it's shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter what do you think would happen think about it eventually you just rip it off your bone it, it, we can't possibly imagine doing that because our body just won't let us you think about this for a second right you can consciously only contract your muscle so far think about trying to contract your hamstring 
or your calf. I'm picking these two muscles for a very particular reason. Try and imagine how hard you could contract your hamstring and your calf. You can only take it so far, can't you? But your body shows you on occasion how hard it can truly contract. And we call that cramp. Think about that. Cramp is just an incredibly strong contraction. You can't, you can't contract your muscle as strong as your body can. You can't consciously do that. I know we could all do something and create cramp, right? That can be done, but you can't really contract your muscle as hard as cramp. Cramp is, a, is an uncontrollable thing. It's, it's something that you're not really doing, but it shows you your, your muscle could just continually contract until essentially it's, it's going to start ripping itself into shreds. So there's, there's, we need to consider that we're getting weaker at the end of the ranges. This drop-off needs to be considered in our selection of movements and the type and the quality of the kit that we use. Again, exercise selection is key. Okay, so just understand that the more you contract a muscle, it's getting weaker. The more you're lengthening it, it's getting weaker. Remember that. That little piece of information is really important. Now let's look at, a res we're going to come back to that, by the way, but now let's look at a resistance profile. This is now really now more to do with the movement, or let's just talk about machines, because we might talk about some dumbbells, but let's just talk about machines for the moment. So a resistance profile is the way a machine exerts its force back onto you. Okay, again, it's not linear. Sometimes it is for sure, but for the most part, it's probably not. So just like our muscles um, are not linear, neither is the force exerted from the load on a machine. Some, some kit is shocking. Some kits, like resistance profile is awful. I'm going to try and explain to you why, why, it, why they can be bad and how we need to, what we need to look for and how we need to make it uh, you know, work for us. Some machine makers now foot, well, certainly fully understand this and produce kits that flattens out the, the resistance uh, profile. Now, what I mean by that is our goal, so let's go back to resistance profile. So ultimately, some machines, let's say, as you pick it up and move it towards you or push it away from you, maybe the load seems to get heavier or seems to get lighter, depending on where the axis is in the kit, where the, where the loading is on the kit, how the, how the uh, handle moves, the length of the handle, all these things mean that if you could really look at how much poundage you're feeling coming through the machine as you go through the range of the movement of the machine, it's going to change. Okay. Let me, I'll give you some examples on different machines in a minute. But our goal, our goal is simply this to at least match the profile of the machine to the strength curve of the body. So think about this. As you move a machine or indeed do an exercise, as you're contracting, would it not make sense that, it's, that our perception of the load seems to get lighter? Our perception of the load, in other words, well, even technically, the load exerted on us gets slightly lighter as guess what? We're contracting a muscle and it gets slightly weaker. Because otherwise what we do is we tend to swing stuff because we can't fully contract. So we swing, we use momentum, we use inertia to get past sticking points, okay? If you could pick up a piece of equipment or use a piece of equipment whereby as you go, let's say as you fully lengthen something, let's imagine that laying hamstring curl again. How about if we had a piece of kit that's made in such a way that 
as you lengthen it fully out, its, its force becomes less on you. In other words, it's matching you. Think about that. How cool would that be? One, damn sight fucking safer. Two, you would just have this sensation that it's working with you and you've got a really nice smooth contraction the whole way through the movement. So let's try and give some examples. So imagine a leg extension. Where are you get so a leg extension, you are you 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 have an opportunity to nearly fully contract your quad. Nearly. So it would make sense that as you extend your leg up and you know you are extending at your knee, the leg extension's force drops off ever so slightly. How much it needs to drop off, goodness knows. I I I'm sure there are some pretty cool um calculations to work that out. I don't know them. I can just tell when something's doing it or isn't. So let's imagine as you lift up a leg extension, it should get slightly lighter. Now, if you look on certain pieces of a kit, they'll have like cams on them and they'll be kidney shaped cams. Again, I don't understand this and I wouldn't be able to make one, but that cam is allowing the machine to drop the weight off. It's exerting its force on you slightly less. So it's matching your strength profile. Think of a dumbbell raise. Here's a, this is a really good example. You're stood up, you're going to do a lateral uh, dumbbell raise. And you pick a weight that probably you could do the first part of that movement with really well. And then that top bit gets really difficult. So what do you do? You bounce your knees, you swing, something happens that's not good. This is adding in a slightly third thing to consider, which is something called a moment arm, which is as you're holding the weight by your side, the dumbbell, a dumbbell raise, the moment arm, i.e., the axis and the weight are on top of each other. So the axis being your shoulder, that's the thing that's going to pivot. And the weight is directly underneath, which means the force is very, is fuck all, right? You now hold that dumbbell straight out to the side of you like a T. The distance between the dumbbell and the axis is now the fullest it can possibly be. Your arm is straight out at a right angle. Now, just technically, that dumbbell is exerting as much force on you as it possibly can isn't it? Because what, it makes sense, right? You know that that's going to be the most difficult part of a dumbbell raise. But also, it's the most difficult when your, your doubt, your side doubt is contracted. It is literally running the opposite way. Think about that. As you're getting weaker at the top of a side dumbbell raise, the fucking dumbbell is exerting more force because the moment arm has increased. It's a shit exercise. I'm not saying don't do it. If you really enjoy doing it, do it. But if you really wanted to drill down and make that movement better, you wouldn't use a dumbbell. Now, people have grown amazing shoulders doing that movement. So hey-ho, it is what it is. But technically, for most people, when you watch them do dumbbell raises, the form is shit because they're fighting the last part of the range. They pick a weight that they could do like the first 50%, and then it's all manner of body movement to finish it off. Okay, let's now think of a lap pull down. Now, this is fairly linear. That weight, you imagine sitting down on a lap pull down, you pull the bar down to you. It doesn't really change, right? It doesn't really change, depending on kind of the bit of the kit and whether there's any resistance on the, on the weights and stuff like that. But ultimately, it's going to feel pretty much the same all the way down. So generally speaking, it's a fairly flat um, resistance profile. Now, it doesn't drop off as you get weaker, as you fully contract. So it's pretty good. But as you get all the way down and you're really trying to shorten and contract those lats, the weight or the load is exerted on you is just the same all the way through. But there's nothing wrong with that. Could have been a lot worse. Um, a seated row. So now we're doing a, so we've done a, a pull down. Think of a seated row. A lot of seats. Again, our, go our goal is to fully shorten the lats. 
fully short and fully contract. So if we feel like as we're pulling some sort of seated row machine towards us, the thing gets heavier, again, it's running at opposites to our um, strength profile, our strength curve. So what we would want is some sort of seated row whereby as we pull it towards us, something in the machinery is making it appear lighter. Well, it's technically getting lighter, which means we have more chance of fully contracting the target muscle. Okay, seated hamstring curl. So now we're not doing a laying hamstring curl, seated hamstring curl. So again, we need to get as fully contracted as possible. In other words, we need to, we need to get our legs underneath us as much as possible. So therefore, that's where we would want the weight to drop off slightly. Otherwise, we're going to fling the weight down in an attempt to get all the way to the back, all the way underneath us. So we would want a machine that as we're bringing our heels underneath us, technically it's getting slightly lighter. So it matches our weakening, contracting muscle. A smith press. So let's imagine a barbell, oh, barbell, a chest smith press. So this is interesting because generally we've got some cool options here. You will get weaker as the bar comes down towards you. Now, this is interesting because technically you think, well, hang on a minute. Would you not get weaker at the top? Well, no, because you're starting to stack um, bones at the top. Essentially, you're starting to stack your skeleton on top of each other. You're going to start to, it's going to start to get easier. As you get towards the bottom, you're fully lengthening, getting close to technically fully lengthening. This is where you're going to be most vulnerable and your weakest. So how can we play with this? You can do what we call reverse banding. So picture a Smith machine. You've, you've got the bar that moves and you've probably got a stabilizing bar connecting the whole thing across the top. Imagine you put a band through itself hanging off the top and then you, um, you attach it to the bar. Uh, I forget the name of the clips that you attach it with. Carabiner. So you carabiner clip it to the bar. So now you've got something that as you lower it, so at the top, that band is slack takes off no weight. As you lower it, the band just starts to take off some of the load. So as you're lowering it down, we've used now a band to change the resistance profile of that machine. So as it comes down towards me, the band just starts to take off a few pounds, few kilos. So it's matching my diminishing strength as I lengthen the muscle. Go and play with all of this stuff. Now I've hopefully maybe opened your eyes to some of this stuff. Go and have a play. The goal really is to match the resistance profile to the strength curve. This should reduce, if not eliminate momentum, inertia, cheating reps. Um, all of the, we don't want any of that. Our goal is not to lift weights and use machines when we go to the gym. Our goal is to challenge muscles. We're going to lift weights and we're going to use machines. That is what we're going to do. But our goal is to challenge a muscle. Okay, so th some things to try in the gym. So reverse banding that Smith press is one. Um, there's definitely, I've definitely put videos out of me doing it and you can definitely go on YouTube and find people reverse banding. It's very, hopefully very simple. You can also reverse band the hack. So think of a hack squat. Yeah, so picture a hack squat. You could band it from somewhere to the top onto the cradle that moves down. So as you go towards the bottom, the bands just start to pick up, take some tension, and reduce the weight as you go into the bottom of the rep. In other words, as you get weaker towards the bottom of that rep, the bands are taking some off you. So the bands that we've added, just the bands are, this is where bands are most useful, by the way. I really don't use them for anything else. Sometimes to literally band something to make it more difficult, and sometimes to use it as a reverse band to make something more easy. So you can reverse band a hack in the same way that we've done the, the um, uh, that we've done the, Smith press. You could also use a band on a, say, something like a leg press, so that as you 
get stronger as you push the weight away, think about it, the bands pick up and add tension. So you, you, you're now doing it the opposite way around. So as you push a leg press away, the bands are going round your back or round the seat attached to where the weights are. So picture a band doing that. As you push away, so at the bottom where you're weakest, you've got a certain amount of weight on the cradle, and as you, which you can handle at the bottom very well and it's safe. And as you push away, it would feel like it got too light because your legs are straightening and taking up the load easy. So you just add a band around your back and up onto the, onto the pegs. And all of a sudden, now as you push away, the band picks up and adds extra tension. So there's, there's two ways of using a band to create the same result. Um, see if you can go and have a play with some of your favorite machines. Go and dive into this. Just go and explore. Go and feel what happens. Find your favorite machines and see if are they balanced or not. Do they feel like, or do you feel like you are having to cheat a rep to get fully contracted? Do you feel vulnerable when you're fully lengthened? You need to, for sure, be able to use, get every muscle fully short. You've got to be able to fully contract a muscle. If you're picking exercise exercises or using pieces of equipment that don't allow you to do that, then you've got to change it. Either pick better equipment or manipulate it in such a way that there is a drop-off in the loading so that when you contract, the drop-off in the loading is allowing you to, to contract. And then you need to, be able to get fully lengthened um, in a safe manner as well. So again, if you're finding yourself not able to do this, you need to take action. This is what exercise, this is literally what exercise, exercise, uh, exercise selection is for. You need, you, you, you now know that you need to work in these three ranges, right? So, um, you now know that you, you've got to, you've got to consider what is the active range of a joint? What is the active, sorry, what is the range, what is the working range of a joint? And it will always be more than the active range of a muscle. So start to think about that. Um, then start to think, am I just working in mid ranges or am I ever fully shortening something? And I'm, am I ever fully lengthening something? Um, if you don't know how all this stuff works and if you don't know where a body needs to, you need to put your limbs in to get things fully lengthened and fully shortened, then just go fucking learn. Don't sit there and go, well, I don't know how to do this. That is not, I didn't know how to do this. No one came along and just started talking. Like I had to go find this stuff out. I, I guess at some point I stumbled across this and I'm like, hmm, this makes a hell of a lot of sense. There is no, ex you have no excuse. If you've listened to this and you're like, I've never heard of any of this shit before. Now, this should not be the last time you hear about it. You should now go, if, if optimizing your physique, body longevity, muscularity is part of your goal, you should now take some of these pieces of information and go and find out more. This was just hopefully a catalyst just to start to plant a seed in your mind that, hmm, when someone, you know, when, if, if you've heard yourself say to yourself, I know what I need to do, I just need to go and do it. Do you? Because have you considered all of this stuff? If you have, fair play. Like you and I can be friends, right? You and I are going to get on. We'd, we'd be able to talk for a long time. If you haven't considered any of this stuff, then I hope this has helped. I hope this has given you a, like, oh my goodness, I didn't really, I didn't really start to think about things on this level. Because the moment you start to look at an exercise, and judge whether or not it's going to work or not. These are the things I look at. Will I be able to work a, a muscle in a given range? What does this particular machinery or equipment or movement match my strength profile? If not, can I, can I either sack it off or can I 
adapt it and manipulate it in such a way where I can. And, th- and that works. I can think of some, some seated rows where I don't sit on the seated row. I stand right off the back of it, like right off the back with my hand on the seat because the axis of the machine and where the weight is means that as I, as I fully contract and I pull through the movement, the, the thing gets lighter. So you can certainly manipulate things, bands being another good option, where you can start to change things. And the moment you start to look at all pieces of equipment and machinery like this, it's so much cooler because you'll walk into the gym and go, or you'll try something and you'll be like, yeah, this is, this is great. And you'll know why it's great. If I put you on five different chest presses, would you at the moment technically know which one would be the best? Now, best, be, define best, right, is the next thing to consider there. Because best for me won't be best for you, won't be best for somebody else. Like this, it, but you need to go, right, this one fits me. This one works for me. And here are the reasons why. I can feel that as, it, as, I, as I bring it down towards my chest, like technically the thing is getting lighter. I can feel that it's getting lighter. And because I'm looking at where the weight is distributed and how it works, well, I can tell that it's getting lighter. Now, for, there are some pieces of equipment out there uh, I think Prime do this. I, I think Prime are a really good example where they have three loading pegs on a machine. So I can think of a chest press in uh, uh, Benu's gym that I happen to be training at the moment. And if you, I forget what, I think it's one, two, and three. If you put all the weight on two, it's very flattened out. If you put all the weight on one, the bottom one, as you try to fully lift up the thing, the damn thing gets heavier. If you put all the weight on three, it starts off heavy and gets lighter. So you can literally, it's like they've worked this stuff out for you. You literally decide what you want the machine to do for you and where you want it to be easy or heavy, and you just put the, the weight on it. So if you see Prime Kit, I think it has a little blue, uh, blue green logo, generally speaking, and I'm sure other companies do as well, um, but I just happen to be using a lot of Prime Kit at the moment. It's literally laid out for you. And I think it even tells you on the side, if you want it to do this, put the weight on that number. It's really easy. But if you don't, you need to go and learn this stuff. So... I really hope, a bit of a longer episode, but we've really delved into some cool stuff here. I hope it's enlightened you. If you want to learn more, we can teach you, okay? Don't just listen to this and be like, oh, it's gone straight over my head, Andy. I just, I, just, I just want to get in shape. Well, yeah, don't we all? So this stuff actually matters. If you're not paying attention to this stuff, you're, you're losing ground. You're not maximizing your potential. You're, you're, I'm not going to say you're going into a gym and mindlessly training, certainly not, but... Your, your goal should be always to take it up a level. And even if from this, that's just, I'm just going to try and work out how to fully contract and fully lengthen a muscle. That is going to take you a long, 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 long way. And then once you've mastered that, you'll be like, hmm, what was he talking about? Strength curves and resistance profiles. I'm going to start to delve into that. And if you want help, we're here. So um, my offers, as always, thank you for being here. Thank you for hanging around for nearly 40 minutes. I appreciate you. Um, I hope you had an amazing start to the new year. Um, again, I'll leave the link in uh, the show notes for the Fat Loss Challenge because that is literally happening right now. So if you, uh, if you, if you want to have a little look at that and what's been going on in the background and how we're helping people get you know, the best possible start to 2023, go and check out that link, dive into that. Um, there is an app waiting with your name on it, more than likely um, to sort of help you get a, a really cracking start with a fully tailored solution the other side of it that's the key thing there um, so again as always um please share this podcast with someone um, you know and love who might benefit from it of course and if you're a first-time listener welcome thank you so much for being here give us a five-star review we'd appreciate it and i'll give you a shout out but for now alphas over and out thanks so much for listening to today's show we hope that you feel motivated to start making changes in your life so you can see those results that you've been wanting to achieve remember you can do anything you set your mind to 
If you love the show, please leave us a five-star review and make sure you tell your friends. If you'd like to connect with Andy, you can find him on Instagram at Andy underscore Naylor underscore pure underscore elite underscore pro. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well. Talk to you again soon.